welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 2-1 win over Aston Villa to start the new year. Marshall and Bruno, the scorers for United, to make Bertrand Traore's 58-minute equalizer irrelevant. That means Manchester United, on Jan 1st, 2021, have the same number of points as Liverpool at the top of the table. What a feeling, Carl. Man, what a way to start 2021. Off to a really good start. I'm pumped. Uh, more so the manner in which we got that game. I mean, getting pegged back and then responding right away was very promising. At least Liverpool have some competition now. Let's see how well we can do. We just got to carry forward this momentum. You know what? It brings me back to Jan 1st, 2020, when it was... Uh, a very different time for United. We were just about to go on this massive slump. I think we had lost to Arsenal and then followed up by a terrible loss to Burnley. I think we all remember that one. And then the signing of one man changed everything after that. Bruno Fernandes. Man, I saw a stat. Jan 1, 2020, United were 27 points off leaders Liverpool. Talk about how times have changed. Obviously, this is a very weird season. A lot of teams are dropping points everywhere. You don't have the true home support. But at the end of the day, you look at the way United have turned around this season after the poor start, the loss to Crystal Palace, the embarrassing 6-1 defeat to Tottenham. They've been rampant in the Premier League over the last while. The biggest positive I think that's emerging now is consistently you are seeing United start games on the front foot. And I think... There is a confidence. There is a swagger about them now. And this match, you saw right from the get-go, United set the tempo. I thought it was looking a little bit like that EFL match against Everton, where they came out and were all guns blazing. They didn't maybe have the chances that they had in that Everton match, but they were clearly on the front foot. Yeah, Vivek, I think you, you, you took the words out of my mouth when you said the one thing that we're consistently seeing is the the quick starts, that was a problem throughout 2020. Whether it was COVID or no COVID, we just couldn't get our legs going in the first 10 minutes. And we all know how dangerous it can be for teams coming to Old Trafford with a rampant United. If they get one or two goals in the first 10 minutes, you're in trouble, right? And so we're getting back to that. Let's not get carried away. We're not there yet. But just getting those starts is monumental. One person who was definitely up for it was Paul Pogba. This guy was a man possessed with the way he was playing. I have never seen him run so much on the pitch. He was on the left-hand side. He was on the right-hand side. He was defending. Man, he was everywhere. In basketball, they call it a complete two-way performance. Defense, offense. I've never seen him go up for as many aerial duels as he did in this match. It seemed like every long ball, goal kick, whatever it was, he was like, I'm going to win this ball. Defensively, this was, to me, the best performance he's had in a United shirt. On an attacking front, we know what he's capable of. The way he helped set up that first goal to play that little chip over the defender and then send Rashford and then Rashford sends it through for Aaron Juan Bissaka and Marshall finishes with the header. Pogba, this was a world-class performance. For the people who say, oh, you know, he's just a very good player who's capable of world-class moments. 
No, he is a world-class player when he's actually at the top of his game, when he's truly invested and wants to perform. I would love to know what his New Year's resolution was. <laughs> it's like, I need myself a new contract. I need I need myself a new team. Yeah. He's, he's putting himself in the shop window, that's for sure. Is anyone watching? That's what, that's what he's saying right now. You, you touched upon the first goal. Let's, let's break it down a little further. I got to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Piers Van Yesno, who, who tagged us in one of the pictures about Aaron Juan Basaka's cross and assist. Piers said he was listening to the podcast because we've definitely been on his case when it comes to crossing or, or lack of crossing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Ole worked on in training. I did see Aaron Juan Basaka say something in the press about Bruno really encouraging him and talking to him and how he can improve his game. And boy, did it show today. Not just the cross, but throughout the game, he had some really nice link-up play with Rashford down the right-hand side. And he was setting himself free and he was running forward. He wasn't... And he had intent. He wasn't looking to pass it back. He was looking to run forward. And if there was some nice one-twos, he was going for it. That resulted in the first goal of the game. I think the key word you hit on there is intent. Because those same plays where you would usually just see him think okay, I have to make sure I'm in the right defensive position in case we lose the ball. He's now saying, how do I put myself in position to create something for us? And so when Rashford was being dragged out really wide, he would fill that space and run right through. And that would either create a bit more space for Rashford, or one time we saw Rashford put Aaron Wan-Bissaka through, who then hit a brilliant cutback to Pogba. I still don't know if he made the right move in dummying it, Fred, I'll be honest with you. That was one of the most impressive shots I've seen him take. (laughs) I have gone back and forth with you about how terrible his shooting has been since he's been with United. And especially from outside the box, it's like he doesn't know whether to wrap his foot around it, if he should just hit it clean with the laces. And that one, he hit it so well. It's a shame it went just over the crossbar. But... If he actually yelled out to Pogba saying he wanted to smack that, I'm actually probably quite happy about that. Yeah, no, you're you're right. It was a fantastic play. Uh, I also was of the belief that if Pogba had taken that shot, he looked like he was in the mood. He could have got that one on target. But hey, you know what? You make the choice in the moment. And it wasn't a bad choice because Fred had a good shot, went over the bar, like you said. I think what that does to the opposition now is you see Aaron Wan-Bissaka with that cross. You see him obviously with the assist on the goal. Now they can no longer give him that space because they know he's going to pass it back and, and pack that defense. They got to go out to him, which is now creating space for you know the likes of Bruno Fernandes to make a run inside uh, the box or whether it's Rashford making an overlapping run. You have so many more options as a result. And, and that's all we're asking for is just so that the opposition thinks that you can be a threat and they have to guard it as a result. Versus, to use another one of your basketball analogies, if you've got somebody like Giannis at the three-point line, you're going to let him take that shot because you've got different threats, right? And so, Juan Basaka is not a threat. Well, he's trying to change that perception. No, I think the basketball analogy works perfectly here because you see a lot of teams that now say, okay, we're just going to shoot three-pointers and layups. And guess what? In the playoffs, it makes you easy to defend because now the opponent knows exactly what you want to do. You think back to those games United have played where teams have said, okay, 
we know Bruno is your primary threat. So we're just going to man mark him and take you out of your attack. And then we've seen United struggle in the final third. But when you've got Martial looking in the mood, when you've got Pogba looking in the mood, when you've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka now making those runs, Rashford constantly running at players, the defense constantly has to be switched on. And that just increases the probability of a mistake because there's so many things that now you are demanding of them. Absolutely. Talking about, you know, our attacking threat, I mean, the fact that Pogba was included in the squad was a bit of a surprise for us since that's not who we predicted in our starting lineup. I thought we did okay compared to last week. We we did get Bailly right and Luke Shaw and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I know I was completely off with my one Mata on the right-hand side. <laughs> And then I'll, I'll hold my hand up for that one. We, we thought that Marcus Rashford would get a rest, but that wasn't the case. He played 90 minutes today. Credit to him. He's given this club everything. He is giving. You're, you're absolutely right. What do you think of uh, the formation? And it looked like we were playing a diamond. It looked like a diamond to me. I'm actually impressed that Solskjaer went with this option because it tells me United have taken that step as a team that we've been waiting for and you've specifically said this you need to respect the team but not respect the opponent too much and so you've got scott and fred but you're also telling aston villa we've got pogba we've got bruno we've got rashford we've got Martial. how are you going to deal with that and one thing i go back to on this subject is sort of a quote uh, a saying that the golden state warriors lived by over the course of their dynasty And they said, no matter what the situation was, no matter the opponent, they wanted to approach it with appropriate fear. Those were the two key words for them. Appropriate fear, where even though all the experts would say, oh yeah, it's the Warriors, they're going to beat up on everyone. They wanted to ignore that. And they say, hey, this is a team that can beat us. What are the things that they are good at? Respect that. We know what we can do, but we still need to respect that. And so with Solskjaer... When he puts out a formation like this, he's, he's recognizing the fact that, hey, the boys are feeling good. This is a team that's doing really well. They're on a high. We need to ride that momentum, but also acknowledge what Aston Villa is capable of. We've seen them destroy Liverpool 7-2. And so I think he went about this really well. Another person that deserves all the plaudits is Eric Bailly. To come back after his injury issues and be out of the squad and be out of the lineup, And to play four matches in a row at an excellent level, at a superstar level. Four matches in short succession, a lad. Yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Or just over this holiday period. I have nothing but good things to say about him. I will give him all the superlatives that are out there. He was absolutely magnificent today. I talked about how Watkins, Ollie Watkins, can be a threat for any team, and he completely nullified that. Eric Bai was fantastic today. I think right from the get-go, he set the tone. Any long ball that went up in the air, Bai, he was, he was almost inside Watkins' shirt. That's how close he was to him at all times, winning headers. If he wasn't winning the header, he was making it extremely difficult for Watkins to control it. And you know what? A touch would bobble and Scott of Fred would pick up the crumbs right after that, right? And so I thought that plan worked to perfection. We did see a bit of the old Eric with that one slight tackle where he did get the yellow card. I think that's that's the one that people are always afraid of. Uh, United fans are always afraid of. We don't want to see that side of Eric. And 
for the most part in these last four games. That was the first time I saw it. And so, you know what? He was immense. And let's not forget right at the end, that block that he made, that was huge. I, I can't even find the superlative to describe that. All I can say is that if you watch the moments right after that, when the final whistle blew, every single United player went up to him. People from the bench all went up and started hugging him because they knew how big yeah. a moment that was. That was a huge moment. And I was so happy for him to have a moment like that. You've brought up how incredible Pogba was. I brought up how great Bayi was. He's my Cantona Caller candidate. I think you have Pogba as yours. Yes. I'm going to tell you why I think it's Bayi for me. Go ahead. Let's, let's hear this one. Starting with that final play, okay? One of the biggest things that came out of that Leicester match was that United were naive to finish. And that's why they gave up that tying goal. United don't give up that tying goal. Believe it or not, they would be alone at the top of the table right now. This is true. And so you wonder, have they learned their lesson? Even though United won this match, they did not learn the lesson. Because when Pogba was down at the other end, he had a chance to kill off the match. And frankly, if you watch the Aston Villa players, they look like they had given up. They look like they knew, okay, United are just going to keep the ball here. It's done for us. We've lost our last chance. But for whatever reason, he chose to send in a cross along the ground. It gets intercepted. Aston Villa come the other way. And here's a dream opportunity for Davis to tie the match. And Bailly steps in with the block, not only saving United and giving them the three points, but also saving Pogba's blushes. Can you imagine if they scored off that, Pogba's performance would be completely forgotten. Okay, good good argument. I agree that the narrative would have been very different because it would have been a word that we've used quite often on this uh, podcast, which is naivety, right? That would have been the case in point when it comes to naivety is like trying to cross it instead of taking it into the corner flag. So here's my case for Paul Pogba. He has got many a Beckham boot from us, right? And so we've given him our fair share of criticism. And some of that criticism has to do with his lack of concentration, especially on the defensive end where he's you know, given away penalties to Arsenal, right? Where he, he's just lost his man and that's resulted in a chance. We've said that, hey, you know, for such a big boy, six foot, four inches, he should be getting in the air more, should be winning more headers. Uh, he's a guy that has all passes in his locker, yet sometimes he holds on to the ball too long where he tries to shield the ball unnecessarily and he gives it away, right? All of these things have been criticisms from Paul. And we didn't see any of those today, except for that one at the end where he naively crossed the ball. Uh, his switches in play, diagonals, long balls, left to right was out of this world. He was winning balls in the air. He was tracking back whenever Luke Shaw was out of position and poking the ball from whether it's Traore or El Ghazi or whoever. And just his defensive concentration and showing that he can play in this diamond. Not only was it a solid performance, but he's now opened up a new formation which Ole can trust him to play. Because there's very few people that can play in that diamond if United do play. I don't think it works for Van der Beek. So now, giving Ole another card up his sleeve has just made us that much harder to plan for. And so I think... Looking at the big picture, not only was it a solid performance from, from Paul, but the trust he's instilled in the manager is another reason. And so that's why I think Paul Pogba deserves it. Well, based on the point you just made, I'm going to give you another point. Okay. 
Look at what Bailly has done together with Harry Maguire. If someone would have told me at the start of the season, Lindelof is going to miss extended time or Harry Maguire is going to miss extended time, I would be panicking. It would be panic stations all across the board. Lindelof has missed significant time now. You've had Eric Bailly step in and show that he can be an incredible partner beside Harry Maguire because of his pace. He has an asset that no other United center back really has. Axel Tuanzebe would be the closest, but Bailly, with his performances so far, has been a clear cut above Axel Tuanzebe. And so when we talk about new options now, and one thing we always harp on and we always want at United is competition for places. He has created new competition at that center back position. We might need a third party here to separate us because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who get, who gets the award with this one. You know what? Like I think your your final po- point about competition for places is something that's is, is proven invaluable. We've seen that with Luke Shaw. Uh, we've seen that up front with Anthony Martial and Cavani. And so I think based on that final point, I will concede that uh, Bailly deserves the Cantona caller because at the end of the day, United, one position all of us were begging for to be filled was a center back. And lo and behold, if we already have that at the club, this is a win-win for everybody. So, you know, based on that, uh, let, let's go with Eric Bailly. Wow, Carl's still in a giving mood this uh, holiday season. Yeah, I've got... All right, all right. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Now... Someone who wasn't willing to concede anything was David De Gea. Sure, United did give up a goal, but there was nothing De Gea could have done about that Traore goal. Outside of that, I thought he was fantastic. Another great stat I saw today. This was De Gea's 327th Premier League appearance for the club, which puts him fifth all time. The only players that have made more appearances are Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, and Wayne Rooney. He is a true legend of this club. You know what? That stat has has really creeped up on me because I was I was surprised the first time you told me that. In fact, I had to verify that you didn't have like a hangover from New Year's Eve or something like that and it was, uh, <laughs> it was affecting your podcast game. But no, you were absolutely right. He, he overtook Roy Keane to become fifth on the all-time list, which is which is fantastic if you think about it. And you know what? He's had his ups and downs. I mean, you, you talk about him being player of the year. I've lost count. Was it four years? Four times. Four times, right? So, yeah, you, you know what? He's definitely built a legacy at this club. And once again, we talk about competition for places. We have some competition in goal. And look at how De Gea has, has stepped up to the challenge. And so, you know what? Kudos to David. He kept us in the game. He made critical saves at the right time because we could have easily got the momentum sucked out from us if he didn't make those saves. And Aston Villa outnumbered us 10 to 5 on corner kicks, right? So David was kept busy. They kept surrounding him as well. And so I thought he did a brilliant job to keep his composure and react when called for. Everybody plays their part uh, when it comes to a good stretch of games. and, And that's exactly what David is doing here. You made the point about competition for places. But the other thing I'll add to that is I genuinely think he is someone that enjoys rising to the occasion. And I think United genuinely being in the race and you look at the table and it's like, wow, there's really something at stake here. Let's be real. The last few years, 
when he's been winning the player of the year, it's kind of just been personal glory, right? Obviously, his saves alone in the past have been able to get United into the Champions League or whatever it may be. But I think the opportunity now that this club is seeing, and you see it in the players, especially the way they celebrated this win, there is a belief at the club. While we might not quite be there, we might more look at it as, hey, we're a legit top four team as opposed to we're a legit title contender. It's going to be different in the locker room. There's no way players are going to play day in, day out, be tied on points with the leaders and not believe they can win it all. And I think that's also playing a part in De Gea's performances where now every save has something significant at stake. Correct. No, no doubt. And you know what? Part of what you're saying, I know you were mentioning and a lot of people actually really liked the post-match interview that Bruno Fernandes gave where he was asked the question. Yeah, I mean, he was asked a bunch of tricky questions like, are you title contenders? They also asked him, you know what, do you guys think you've learned from the Leicester City game where, you know, you conceded a late goal and here you were able to prevent that from happening? What were your thoughts on Bruno's answer to that question and what was his answer in the first place? So Bruno's response to that question was no, not at all. We had chances to close the game and we did it. You look at the chances that United had to seal the deal and not be panicky at the end and make all the fans as nervous as we were in those final 10 minutes, he's absolutely spot on. This is something that really gets me excited because it shows as a team, they can have honest conversations and they can be direct about this. There's no glossing over, oh, we won. We don't need to talk about this, that type of thing. No, we're trying to contend for the title. We're trying to win every match possible. To do that, even when we win, we need to address whatever issues there may be because they could come back to bite us. Bruno is emphasizing the point that no, we did not learn from the Leicester match because we made mistakes that could have cost us again. It just so happens that the ball didn't go in the back of the net. That's not a reason for us to not learn from it. Absolutely. You know, Vivek, one thing that just came to mind actually was, and this is just a side note, can you imagine if there were fans in the stadium? One thing that we're missing out on is what is that Bruno Fernandes chant? What is his song? We don't know because there's no fans in the stadium. Oh, man, that's a good one. That's a good one. We're going to have to ask some listeners to give us their thoughts and see if they have any tricks up their sleeves. Yeah, because I think fans have only probably seen him for the months of Jan and Feb. And then after that, we haven't seen him live, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, no, that's a good point. But Bruno, again, the leadership that he's displaying, the leadership that Maguire is displaying in the back, you talked about that spine. And if you can have it going right through the middle, like look at the players who have really made a difference at the club. David De Gea has returned to form. Harry Maguire has been inspirational at the back. Bruno in front of him. And then Cavani has been an inspiration too. So straight through, you've got leaders stepping up and it's raising the level of everyone around them. No substitute for uh, some experience as well, right? (laughs) You like making that point, Carl. I wonder who you're trying to make it to. (laughs) You know what? We got to give credit to the opposition as well. And so... We talk about that shop window and auditioning from Paul Pogba for a new club. Well, there was there was one guy on the other end who was inspirational and was just grabbing this game by the scruff of his neck and willing his team to score a goal. And that man was Jack Grealish. He was all over the pitch. 
his incisive passing and crossing for the likes of Ollie Watkins and Traore was just fantastic to see. I, I had to admire it just even though he was playing against us. He's a special player. He's a really special player. And I think once he moves on to one of those world-class clubs, I think he'll get the recognition he deserves. I think he's someone capable of being at that world-class level and being recognized as one of the special players at his position. His ability to just trick his way around defenders, create space, send crosses in. You mentioned this. Pinpoint crosses every single time. You think about the duo that United have centrally. That's tough to get past. And for him to find his teammate every single time, it seemed like, that's truly special. The one thing I am really curious to know is where he gets his socks from. (laughs) Because I want those socks. Dude, I don't know if I've told you this in all the years that we've played together. I actually hate wearing proper soccer socks. Mm-hmm. I hate wearing them all like all the way up to the knees. I wish I had those socks. I need to find those socks. Those those socks definitely, uh, you know, make him easy to spot on the field. But uh, I think his talent is, is another reason we can spot him on the field. But no, you're, you're right. I think... Uh, his, another guy copying him is probably his teammate, Matty Cash, who, who had a good display as well. Yeah. Speaking of the opposition, uh, I don't think we're going to have much debate for the noisy neighbor. No, uh, it's Jack Grealish, and hopefully he won't just be a neighbor for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. I, uh, I hope, uh, you know, Aston Villa are reasonable with the price, but uh, <laughs> something tells me his price just went up. <laughs> No doubt. But shout out to Matty Cash, though. He's someone that you pinpointed in the previous episode when we were previewing this match, and he was terrific. And his ability to cross the ball as well is seemingly second to none at that right-back position anyway. When when you've got Aaron Wan-Bissaka on the other side, it would have looked really bad if Wan-Bissaka didn't have the game he had. If he looked more like he did against Wolves, that would have been a bad look. But to Wan-Bissaka's credit... He made it a pretty even matchup, even going forward. Yeah, shout out to Matty Cash, but definitely Jack Grealish for the noisy neighbor. We got one more award to finish up. I don't think there's much debate here, too. Scott McTominay was easily the biggest struggle to watch in this match. Especially when he was in possession. It was so frustrating to watch. there There were times where he kept it too long and he should have released it. There were times where he was spraying the ball a bit too wide and just not accurate with his passing. He's got a long way to go uh, with with that part of his game. You could see that. It it almost looked like he felt that he was in a foreign part of the pitch when it came to letting go of the ball at the right time. It it almost looked like he didn't know which way to pass it. He had so many options. He didn't know which way to go. And so he was a little overwhelmed with the situation. And he was literally just looking for Bruno so that Bruno could do that part of it. He's just like, hey, take the ball away from me. I I don't want any part of this. And so he's a young lad. He's... Definitely given us that defensive stability. And I think his attacking game will come with time. We've seen how other players have improved. And Scott seems like one of the boys who is is willing to learn and is willing to take on that feedback and criticism. But yes, no doubt that Scott gets the Beckham boot for, for the game today. Uh, I think case in point was when he was taken off. Uh, Nemanja Matic added some much needed solidity Obviously defensively, but also going forward, he was very calm in possession and was able to distribute it and keep that tempo going. Yeah, agreed. That, that was an important sub by Solskjaer. Well done there. And even at the end, I was sort of questioning taking Bruno off 
for Daniel James? Because I've always been a big believer in when you're playing those late stages of the game, you want to keep your biggest threats on because it causes the defense and the midfield just to be that little bit extra cautious. And so that's where I question taking him off. But Daniel James, you know, he did a job. He came in, he ran back every time. He was able to kill some time going forward as well. Maybe could have made a few better decisions here and there, but you you kind of know what you're getting with Daniel James in that regard. Defensively, he had energy that Bruno, frankly, the energy that he showed in this match is exemplary. Again, we talk about leadership to play as many matches on the run that he's been doing and delivering time after time after time. People might say, oh, you know, he wasn't as involved and Pogba was doing more and this and that in the start of the match. If you watched him off the ball, the amount of times that he was going from side to side, back, doing everything he could with the press as well to put that pressure on the midfielders, defenders. I can't say enough about his leadership and the way he exemplifies what the badge should be about. Yes. Another sub that I was impressed with was Twanzebe coming on. Ole clearly wanted some height with all these set pieces that were coming in. And and actually within the what one or two minutes of him coming on, he, he won, I counted, at least two headers. So that mm-hmm. alone paid off. And so I was happy uh, and I was impressed with the substitutions that uh, Ole proceeded to, to complete in that game. Anything else we need to touch on or shall we move on to... The Manchester Derby that's coming up. Seems like nothing but big games for United right now, Carl. Yeah, it's a good position to be in. They're coming in thick and fast. And so we've got City coming up on the 6th. And then our game in hand in the Premier League against Burnley has also been decided. And we're playing that on Jan 12th as well. So not much of a break for the guys. Good thing Ole has rotated his squad. And in doing so, he's kept everybody happy. And the, the level of play and the quality has not declined. No doubt. What changes are we looking at for City? There's no doubt in my mind that Dean Henderson is stepping in with the cup fixture. I think he will be the one to play both against Man City and then against Watford as well in the FA Cup when that begins. You have him in goal, unless you disagree. I think De Gea is going to play in net. I think Henderson's going to play against Watford. Really? Interesting. Okay, so that that can be another point of debate for us. I've uh, I think Henderson is going to get the look. Okay, just to give De Gea a bit of a breather. The back four. Now that's going to be an interesting one. I think you have to rely on Juan Bissaka because again that matchup with Raheem Sterling, he has just been so good in that position that I would have to start him. Can Eric Bailly give you a fifth match on the run? I mean, at least now there's a bit of a break. Four days is the biggest break they've had in a while now. So hopefully he's good to go. I think you continue. You've made the point before where if you've got a central defensive partnership that finds some success, that finds some momentum, you ride it. I would ride with Bailly and Maguire at the back as long as Bailly is feeling healthy enough. At left back, I am continuing with Luke Shaw as well. We saw it work effectively when they played each other in the league. I don't think Solskjaer would have that level of trust in Tellez to do a job defensively. I think Tellez is the type of piece in a cup match where if you need a goal, then he you turn to him. But while you're looking to keep things solid early on, I think Luke Shaw is the one who gets the start. Okay. All right. And then who's in, who's in uh, mid for you? I would go Scott and Fred again. I know Scott struggled in this match and we've given him the Beckham boot, but they've been so good as a pairing that I would want to trust them again. 
the more I honestly, the more I think about it, there's really not a change I'm looking to make for the next match. I, I think you keep everything the same. Yeah, same same team. Obviously, except obviously Henderson. I've got Henderson in goal, but outside of that, I think I'm keeping the exact same eleven. I mean, I would want to keep the same eleven. I don't think just looking at the long term picture, I can't see Rashford starting another game. I just feel like we're driving him to the ground. Do you see any chance that Donny van de Beek gets a gets a look in for this game? No, not to start. Because even with the success that Ole is having in the league, I think that the priority is a trophy. And you have to know that this right here, semifinals, especially the narrative of the semis from last year, losing semifinals after semifinals after semifinals, three of them between the League Cup, the FA Cup and Europa. I think he will want to get the job done here desperately. And so he's going to go with his best team. And I think right now, this might be his best team. Yeah, I can't really argue with you, especially considering that three days later, we've got Watford, where I'm sure he's going to be ringing the changes in for that game. Yeah. You know what? You might as well let the guys play this game. And then they've got six days of rest before Burnley or five days of rest. Sorry. I agree with you. I think he he should go with this team. The only question I have is I don't know if he can play the diamond against City. It will be interesting to see because I do feel that the diamond does give Kevin De Bruyne a little bit more space and giving that man space is a bad idea. That is my that is my only question mark. And as a result, I think the only person that gets put in jeopardy is probably Paul Pogba. But I, I can't see him being left out of the team after that performance. So... So I agree with you on the point about the diamond. I think that's an important point to make. But do you think he can just go to the 4-2-3-1 with Pogba on the left now? Yeah, so that's what I would imagine would happen. I think like because Paul did play on the left for portions of that game anyway. And Mm -hmm. he put in a good shift. This time when he's playing on the left, he's going to have to deal with Man City's right back, which is probably going to be Kyle Walker. Well... Remains to be seen. Some things might need to play out before then. Yes, yes. There are some rumors of uh, why City's game against Everton was postponed and what was the the cause of it. And uh, we'll see what happens. A couple of cup fixtures to look forward to now. But just to look back on this league stretch for United to play Leicester City, to play the Wolves and to play Aston Villa, to come away with seven out of nine points. We know it could have very easily been all nine. But going in, I don't think anyone would have complained about getting seven out of nine. So kudos to Ole for not only continuing to rotate the squad and finding solutions that would work in each match, but keeping United alive in this title race. What a time, Carl. What a time. Absolutely, Vivek. Once again, fantastic way to start the year. Taking seven from a possible nine. I would have snatched your hand off if you had offered that to me at the start of these fixture pileups. And you know what? <clears throat> Let's just keep the momentum going. I think it's very important to that all of us as fans also keep our feet firmly planted on the ground. Yes, we're going through a good stretch, but there are going to be times when, you know what, we're not going to win every game and there's going to be you know, a draw or a loss, right? But let's just look at the positives. And as long as we... We have that intent at the beginning. We create the chances and we're fairly tight at the back. That's all we can ask for right now because we need to remember where we were two months ago and it wasn't here. No, not at all. But hey, 16 matches in, 
to enter the new year tied on points with the leaders. That hasn't happened since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. Coincidentally, Red Couch Manx has not existed until now. Who's to say? Who's to say the two aren't tied together? Very good point, Vivek. <laughs> A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, hit us up on either social Subscribe, join us after every match, reviews, ratings. We love them all. On behalf of Carl and myself, Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.